and welcome to The Dirt, in association with Beer 52. Keep listening to find out how you can get your hands on eight craft beers absolutely free. Anyway, this is the podcast that wants you to embrace all gardening experiences, the good and the bad. I'm Laura, editor of Grow Your Own magazine. And I'm the other half of this dynamic double act, Blake. We'll be having a good old natter with Rose in a bit as well about what's trending in the garden right now. But before that, joining us all the way from sunny Spain is Pauline Madden. Hi, Pauline. How are you doing? Hi, I'm fine. Thank you. Feeling a little bit hot, but um, yes, not complaining at all. (laughs) It's just as hot here today as well. So yeah, I'm sitting outside in my little courtyard, um, soaking up the sun, but also where there's a little bit of breeze, which is nice. And it means I get to sit around all my plants, which is always good that is always good yes and obviously it's been a bit of a strange year with with the lockdown earlier on so how did you spend um that time and how did you pass the time during lockdown so this year during lockdown i was um i took part in a a project run by incredible edible lambert mm-hmm. and what they were doing was um asking those people that were members to if they had the space to grow things for the public mm-hmm. um, to give away, grow seedlings to give away. So they um, got the funding and they provided the pots and the compost and um, the seeds and they asked people to to germinate them, grow them on and then distribute them. Mm. And that was a brilliant, brilliant um, project um, my kitchen was full of seedlings I mean it usually is but it was extra full of seedlings <laughs> yeah. this year which um, <laughs> there was a bit of complaint from my children but you know it's okay <laughs> but what was great was that I I was able to give them out to the school community I put a, a, a letter in the uh, a notice in the newsletter and um, lots of people lots of people came and we had um what did I grow? I grew chard and tomatoes and squash and um, some other things I can't remember, but there were lots of things to give away and people were just really grateful, especially in the, you know, because of lockdown, you know, they, some people didn't even have gardens. They were going to be growing them on their balconies Mm -hmm. um, or on their windowsills. And um, it was it was a fantastic thing to do. And, you know, I have to give a shout out to Incredible Edible Lambeth and Jamie um, because it was it was a pilot project. And they it was so successful that I think they did two more. Um, They started off with 25. Then they had another uh, 70 or something. And in the end, I think they had 100 and over 150 people growing and distributing. That's amazing. Which was. (laughs) Yeah. And that and, and it just sort of spread the love and, and you know, there's all these people growing stuff that would not have, uh, have had the time or the inclination, some of them, um, were it not for, you know, someone like Incredible Edible mm. Lambeth and, you know, this terrible lockdown situation that we've all been in. I, I wonder how they got on growing them and, and you almost want to see like some after pics and see like, you know, yeah. them cooking them well, and eating apparently them. Apparently they, they well, they're doing it. They wanted to do a harvestometer. So they, <laughs> um, people were supposed to, I don't know how many did, but they were supposed to, um, um, 
sign in and and take pictures of their produce and when they went to harvest to weigh it and to, to see how 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 many kilos of of vegetables they were they, they you know had been grown during the, the time um some of those other vegetables were uh, squashes and courgettes mm. if i remember now um yeah so yeah it was a really really good thing to do and um yeah a couple of other anecdotes i mean you, you can use it or not um i had i lost two pairs of gloves this year to foxes they oh, ate really? my gloves <laughs> which was one of them were brand new i bought these kid leather beautiful glove gardening gloves and I left them outside the green. Oh no, you can't leave this stuff lying beach. around, can you, when you've got foxes <laughs> nearby? Because really they will can't. just take anything. <laughs> yeah, urban foxes. And I always also have to say, you know, that it was quite a privilege being able to keep on working in the garden. So I used to go in after um, the children had left because mm. I wasn't working with the children during lockdown. And um, the peace and quiet and tranquility of the gardens and you know nature carries on regardless anyway mm. it was just it saved mine and you know lots of other people's sanity mm. just being able to be outside and garden in a lovely place so pauline we always like to start by asking our guests about any of their real growing successes anything that's gone really really well things you feel really proud of so what have some of those things been for you in your growing journey so far well um I work in schools in a couple of schools in South London and I um, look after the gardens and work with the children there getting them out of classrooms and um, getting their hands into the soil and I think my biggest success was one time last year when I was working with a group of children and the bell went for lunch and they were supposed to go off and have their playtime before they ate. And three of them, there was a group of about five or six, and three of them said, um, Miss, can we can we miss playtime? Can we just stay and garden? <laughs> and for me, that was just brilliant. It was such, uh, it was like, my work here is done. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. I, I was so pleased. I was so pleased. And they, yeah, and so they stayed um, gardening. And, you know, one of those children had um, started out like, oh, I'm afraid of the worms and the this and, you know, the bugs and stuff. And, um, you know, by the end of the session, they were, you know, asking to stay behind and miss their playtime. So that was, I think, a really good one. Um, regarding growing things, um, well, I was given um, a Loganberry cane and it was about a metre long last year and I put it in the school garden, gave it lots of compost and stuff. And then last year I went away in the summer and when I came back, it had grown quite significantly. Um, and But unfortunately, uh, it was it's quite late that I put it in. It hadn't... Um, uh, it hadn't the fruit hadn't been picked, so I just thought, okay. And then this year, it just took off, and so I trained it all in. And it is about ten feet tall and about <laughs> eight feet wide. Wow. And we had 
so much fruit from it. And we were putting them into little individual pots and giving them out to the children that were coming to school because the school remained open for key workers' children. And we had so many, so, you know, at the gate at, at, um, at going home time. <laughs> I'd, you know, just sort of say, help yourself. And it was all very safe and everything. But, yeah, and they were delicious. Amazing. Because um, I'd, I'd never grown Loganberries before, which are a mix of, uh, I think they were cross between a blackberry and a raspberry. Mm. And, yeah, really vigorous and really delicious. The fruits look like kind of like a long, sort of raspberry. slightly bigger raspberry, don't That's they? Right. Yeah, so. And I think they're actually nicer than raspberries. They're less watery. The, the flavour's more concentrated. Right. So has it been a case of you kind of just eating them fresh or have you saved any to do it like make jam with or anything? Yes. I don't know what you would do with Loganberries. Yeah, well, we ate a lot of them fresh, um, but I did. I've made some Loganberry um, jam. So what I do at the school is, um, because like most schools, you know, they're quite strapped for cash I try to um, sell things or uh, as much as I can so with the Loganberries the this because I gave them up so there were so many um, <laughs> I've made sort of about I don't know 10 pots of jam and when we start handling cash again I will sell sell the jam at the gate um, and I do that with we had lots of chilies last year and mm. I made chili oil and um, tomatoes I made tomato chutney and um, yeah, um, I just try to sort of just bring a little bit of money in so that I can buy stuff like compost mm. and seeds and so on without, you know, always going to the school with my hand outstretched. And it just, you know, it just keeps it all um, a bit more affordable. And when you're working in the school, is that kind of part of the curriculum or is this more after you know, once school's over, then some people stick around to do it, that kind of set up? It's both. So um, I go in, um, I'm, they're very um, good about when I go in. So I, it's quite flexible because it's not my only job. And um, I go in and I see what needs doing. Um, well, n normally, I mean, this year it's been very different, which I'll explain later, you know, because of the situation. But um, I'd go in and say I needed um, a to, to plant a whole load of things. I would go into a classroom, see what they're doing. If they're not doing a core subject, I'd say, could I have half a dozen kids uh, to come and guard me? And their hands shoot up. And they're like, me, 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 me. And, and <laughs> I get the teacher to, to pick because, you know, and, um, and um, they come out with me and we, we've got, you know, gardening gloves and aprons and, you know, what equipment. And, um, and I just tell them what to do and chat to them while they're doing it and then mm. so that's with groups and then I also sometimes um if there's a child in the school that is struggling um occasionally the teachers will ask me to just take them off on a one-to-one -one session and um, we go into the garden and we garden and talk and they you know usually after a while just calm down and you know, open up or not, or we'll just talk <laughs> about worms or snails or whatever. <laughs> and um, and they will go back to the classroom, you know, an hour later, ready to engage again, which is really satisfying. Mm. And I also run a couple of gardening clubs as well, one for just the children and one with the parents as well, oh, which I really like. Um, well, I like both of them, but, you know, with the, with the parents who... Um, you can get a lot more done and also it's less about um you know uh how 
to put this behavior control because mm. <laughs> <laughs> the, the parents will you know sort of keep <laughs> their children um nicely behaved and we can just concentrate on the garden gardens so yeah it's uh i love my job i really love going into that school and the head teacher and the business manager both are very supportive the head teacher has an allotment so he knows about growing and mm. they have chickens in the school as well oh cool so um we use the manure for for compost and um and you know they 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 they're not just about you know the english and the maths they, you know, they really think it's important to have outside learning mm. and learning about nature. And the gardens are beautiful. I think often those are the times that you learn the most as well. I remember from when I was at school that, you know, it was those types of activity driven things that really you came away and felt like you'd gained some new skills or, yeah. or really had something to take away. So it must be quite rewarding. Yeah. And the fascination with um you know seeing things grow because we have this um uh little competition where each class has a uh, uh we we sent off the seed potatoes and each class will grow a container of potatoes and at the end of the uh, growing season we what tip them all out and weigh them and then make and see who's grown the most and then make <laughs> it into a feast um we have a you know end of term feast so all the produce that is ready by you know uh, 20th of july or whenever it is just before we break up um we get the kids to help cook or prepare you know whether it's salads or you know, potato um baked potatoes or um we did um we had sweet potatoes last year which were went down really well and we had melons and we had uh lots and lots of I said tomatoes and yeah it's it's great because what happens is the kids if they've had a hand in growing the stuff they will they're, they're more likely to try it and I've yeah. had children who said I never liked tomatoes before but I really like these ones <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's it's lovely and I do try to grow things that aren't readily available in the shops mm. so you know we had cucumelons and yeah as I said loganberries and sweet potatoes and yeah just just something slightly different and what would you say um have been some of the favorite garden jobs of the children and the crops that have been particular successes with them as well I would say the favourite job, of course, is watering with the hose. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the same as me. It's great people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they love, they love, um, you yeah, know, watering and with the watering can, with the, you know, with the rose spray. And um, the little children, the really little children, love weeding, which is great. Because, mm. you know, sometimes I'm there, um, I don't tend to do lots and lots of work with the littlies. Um but um, when I'm there over the lunchtime, um, the, one of the main gardens is in their play playground. And um, they say, can I help? Can I help? And I said, OK, well, we're going to can you see this plant? I only want you to pull those plants out, nothing else. And and they listen and they will. And when you've got, you know, 20 kids picking your weeds out, one but you can get a lot done <laughs> yeah, that's great um 
And what was the other question? Um, oh, if they have, if you tend to find there's a particular crop that's a big hit with with the children. Um, tomatoes, tomatoes, <laughs> they love. To- oh, and strawberries. We have we have a one huge bed that's dedicated to strawberries, mm. and um, yeah, they they don't wait for me to tell them to pick them, which <laughs> 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 is good. No, well, yeah. I mean, you've got to get them. Yeah, it's um, it's. Yeah, they, 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 I love the fact that, you know, throughout the school there's, there's edibles and, um, and they, 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 it's there for the children. I mean, the flip side of that, of course, is that sometimes I go in and, um, you know, a plant is broken or something's been snapped or, you know, picked badly and, um, and I have to be quite zen about it. And it's like, it's okay. <laughs> it's not my garden. It's for the children. Sometimes I don't quite get to be so zen but but <laughs> you know it is a school garden so you know it's not my personal garden I have I have stuff at home so I just yeah let it go and um, so moving on from the successes we also like to discuss those things that perhaps haven't gone quite as well in the garden unexpected results any funny stories that have happened or any garden related injuries um what can you tell us about any of those uh, failures, um, lettuce, <laughs> which is supposed oh. to be so easy to grow. But when uh, a few years ago, I thought, well, I'm going to get, have lots of cotton come again lettuce. And I sowed my seeds and I looked after them and they just got ravaged by aphids and spider mite and they were yellow and they were just not at all appealing. And I just, and I did, a, I, I did about three lots and they were all the same and I just thought what am I doing wrong and I think I think that I sowed them in a container that was too shallow and they were getting stressed and that they were in too sunny a position and yeah the aphids thought yeah we'll, we'll have a bit of this <laughs> so yeah they, I, but I have since managed to grow lettuce which I'm very pleased about um, but um, that was yeah that was a bit of a failure with my cut and come again lettuce, I find that the first batch I put in early on in the year is fine. And then the ones after that don't do as well. And I don't know, I guess it must just be once it gets hotter, they just can't handle it quite so much. But mm. yeah, that uh, that first lot are, are always really productive um, and then and then not so much. So, And another thing, though this wasn't quite my fault, was that, uh, as I said, we have um, potato, each class has potatoes and they're in these black... Um, uh, containers and um, I, we planted them they're all sort of together so that it's all even and fair and they were all growing lovely and um, just shortly before harvest I sort of um, I was going to have a look at them and I noticed that one of the bins was full of cat poo oh, no. and it was like yes yes not full but there was a lot mm. and it's like I can't I, I I had to fortunately I did have a spare a spare container that I'd put separately mm. and I just had to kind of swap it over and uh, throw the cat poo potatoes away oh, yeah. and um, so that the class were too disappointed you know but yeah no the thought of yeah all that cat poo Mm-mm. wouldn't have been good for our feast at all. <laughs> no. And then one day, I one time, I um, 
planted kohlrabi and I hadn't planted it before. Um, I really like it as a vegetable. So I was quite excited about it and um, it was looking really good. It, it started out looking quite leggy and, and then I just put it in and it started swelling up and it was looking great. And I went away, I went on holiday for only about 10 days. And when I came back, there was nothing left. The uh, uh, cabbage white butterfly, I think, had just decimated the whole of the foliage and oh, it no. was just heartbreaking because oh. they were so healthy and lovely and they're gone. So I had to harvest the, the, the bulbs are okay, but they weren't quite, they weren't ready. So yeah, that was a little bit disappointing. Did you still eat them even though they weren't quite or did you I have did, to get rid of them? I did and they weren't bad. I mean, yeah, they weren't bad. They were okay, but they, they, I think they'd have, you know, a few more weeks and they'd have been better. And, um, my final fail is, um, it's a personal one, which I don't think really I should be admitting, but I will anyway. <laughs> I am completely slug phobic. Oh. I can't bear them. Oh, no. And uh, I, they just give me the heebie-jeebies. And I have to hold this down in front of the children because <laughs> they can't <laughs> see me <laughs> run screaming away from a slug. So I really have to um, just uh, try to be uh, calm and um, say, uh, oh, yes, that's like, do you want to go and pop it over there? You know. And <laughs> so at home, um, my partner, he hates spiders. He's arachnophobic. And um, I don't mind them. I deal with the spiders. He deals with the slugs. Snails are okay because there's something to hold on to, but slugs, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh my goodness, I, I can't. I yeah. And that's that's a bit of a failure. I need to overcome that one, but uh it's been there a long time. They are a bit yeah. gross though, aren't they? And, and it just, sounds like a good routine with this you dealing with the spiders and you know, that seems like a fair deal. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. But uh yeah. The, the, you know, when I've there've been a couple of times I've accidentally touched a slug and <laughs> I jump a mile and yeah, it just, just even talking about it makes me sort of, <laughs> just, yeah. Anyway. Have you found any ways to keep them at bay a little bit or do you just have to embrace them to an extent? Yeah. I get my partner to move. Them. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he had to deal with them really. Send him out for half an hour before yeah. you go out in the garden every day. Yeah, well, in the uh, yeah, um, I've got I have got slightly better. I mean, I couldn't go anywhere near them, and I can you know if I've got an implement like a, a trowel or something, I can just kind of move them. But um, yeah, otherwise, mm -mm. no, they just yeah. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> we'll move you on too. Um, any tips or shortcuts that you might have yes I like lots of other people don't like using I don't use peat mm. um, in my compost mm -hmm. um, but I found peat free composts are mostly rubbish actually they're either really um, woody or the, the quality isn't great so I would say that I to mix your own to make your own so what I do is I use um, a mixture of topsoil, coir, um, and if I'm doing seeds, it would be leaf mould, mm. or if it's other stuff, I'll use 
garden compost uh, for transplanting and and civet um Oh, and I sometimes use a bit of peat-free compost, but again, as I said, they usually have lots of woody bits in. So I use a garden sieve and, and, and sieve the whole lot, and then I get a really nice sort of friable, um, lightweight um, compost that and that is, is great um, for most things. But, well, everything, apart from ericaceous stuff, then use ericaceous mm. compost. But, um, yeah, making my own compost or mixing my own compost is one of the things that I really like to do. So in terms of making leaf mould, um, yeah. obviously we're not that far away from the point where we might start doing that. Autumn is just around the corner. So is it as simple as just as collecting up the leaves and then putting them in a bag and, and just waiting almost? Yeah, how making you, sure that they're, they're, they're damp and putting, I sort of um, stab the bag with a garden fork to, mm-hmm. to let the air in, you know, so there's a few holes in. And then just leaving it in a corner. Um, I think you can make a, a container with chicken wire and stuff, but I haven't got the space for that. Um, and, and yeah, it takes a while. It's slower than making ordinary compost, but it's such good stuff. And, um, yeah, it's great. And, and do you have to look out for particular leaves in general or, or can you just no, collect up I anything? Ju- I just use anything. At, at the school that I work, there is um, there are lots of trees, lots of big trees. And so we get a lot of leaf fall and it would be foolish not to use it. So, yeah. So, you know, and I'm always looking for sort of cheap shortcuts. Um, the, talking of cheap, I love going to the discount shops because you can often get some really good value plants and especially bulbs and corms from, am I allowed to say uh, the the shops shop names or I, I think so yeah yeah Lidl is brilliant <laughs> it's brilliant for um for plants that's so funny you wouldn't think of it as you being somewhere where you, you could get good gardening yeah, stuff, yeah but especially I mean I bought alliums last year alliums and dahlias and um some other things and they you just get so many compared to you know the more traditional places you get um, these things from and mm. the pound shops as well now you have to you have to be discerning you have to look at, at you actually take the the plant out of the they're usually hidden in a cardboard um you know sachet uh, surround and sometimes they are they they're, they're a bit dead or you know they're they're looking decidedly um stressed but but you can get some really good bargains. And of course, the, you know, the big DIY supermarkets, uh, DIY stores, um, you know, they always have the the, uh, the little section where things have um, gone over slightly or they've just finished flowering. And, you know, the thing with gardening is they will come back, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. next year. Just because the flower's finished now, it doesn't mean it's not going to finish again. It's not going to flower again. So, um, yeah, I'm always on the lookout for, for bargain, bargains. And as well, school fairs and jumble sales is a great place. And seed swaps mm-hmm. to, to get really, you know, um, good range of, of, of things that you might not find otherwise. So, yeah. And one other shortcut is underlay. Um, I was passing a house that was having a carpet fitted and they'd ripped out all of the um underlay and um 
I asked if I could have it because I, I needed to cover my <laughs> vegetable beds. And it was much better than carpet or anything else because it's actually waterproof. Mm. And, uh, of course. Um, and, and it just kept the beds quite dry because they, they tended to get a little bit, sometimes they get a bit waterlogged. And, um, yeah, it was great. And for some reason, they didn't attract the slugs. You know, sometimes you get slugs underneath. Yes. Underneath, yeah. Anyway, they, yes, underlays were great, great stuff. I've never thought about no. about using that before. That's a, yes. Yeah, it's good. No, and I actually it's have good. quite a lot of it in my shed from when we <laughs> redid our dining room floor. So I think that is a tip that I will definitely be making the most of. Mm. And one last thing is um, I start lots of things off in my, I've got a tiny little um, um, utility room that's got a radiator in there for drying clothes and it's the warmest room in my house. And so I start lots of things off in there in, I uh, like for instance, certain seeds and and corms, I will um, get some kitchen roll dampen it, um, wrap the thing around, um, or wrap it around the corn or bulb or whatever, and I pop that into a plastic bag and I just hang it on one of the drying rails and leave it. And because it's warm and moist, it just starts off. And um, there's, uh, in Brixton Market, where I live, um, they sell taros or dashin or edos um, or what's the... The name it's Colcasia, I think, Colocasia, something like that. Okay. Anyway, elephant ears. They are really beautiful plants. They are edible, but I actually grow them for the foliage because they have mm-hmm. these big elephant type leaves, elephant ear type leaves, which is why they're called that. And if you buy them online, they can cost up to ten pounds per bulb if you get big ones. And in the market, you can get about eight for a pound so um and i've grown quite a few of those and mangoes how big do they grow those elephant ears depends on the side of depends on the size of the of the corn so Mm. the ones that i get are about let's say three inches it's like a very large egg Mm. um and they would grow to about just under a meter but you can get ones that are the size of um a small ball um the bulbs and they would grow much bigger they would grow maybe a meter and a half something like that um mm. now they're not they're because they're tropical they're not hardy so you'd mm. have to either dig them up and bring them inside dig them i think they're often house plants aren't they? yes they Possibly. are yeah but i've i've been growing them outdoors and then i let i put them in my unheated greenhouse and they were fine and they've come back again this year so they're really good. So what part of them's edible? It's it's not the leaves. They they make they make more uh, of these tubers. Oh okay. And oh. Um, and it's like a starchy vegetable, oh. and they're eaten all over the world. They've got lots of different names. So mm. um, yeah, yeah, they are a good one. That's I'm definitely one to try up. next year. Yeah, colocasia. That's it. And am I right in thinking that you are a keen forager? And um, really and am. how is that around South London? What what do you find and what do you get? Do you know what it is? So you would you'd be surprised at how much urban foraging you can um, do. 
because mm-hmm. I go to parks and um, my I have two local parks, Brockwell Park and Burgess Park. Oh, I love Brockwell and, Park. Yeah, Brockwell Park brilliant. And, you know, you can get elderflowers, apples, damsons, blackberries. Um, wow. I've had, I found mushrooms, um, pears, plums, lots and lots and lots of things in, you know, in, in, in pots. And, oh, cherries, there's in Burgess Park, they have a whole um, avenue of cherry trees, lots of different types. Some of them are really sour, but mm. some of them <laughs> are not. And, um, you know, you see people that know. Uh, with their little baskets I have my what I call my little red riding hood basket and I go and um, yeah I've made cherry brandy and cherry jam and yeah I, I used to be a long 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 time ago I was a chef and so I love cooking anyway and um, yeah there's so much that you can you can you can find um, I've just been before I came away I, I was um, um, getting the first of the blackberries which were very nice Nice. And I've made a couple of few pots of jam from those. And um, so, if there's anybody listening who would like to get into foraging but doesn't really know where to start, what advice would you give them? Go to the library and find a book. There's <laughs> lots of books around, um, and um, and it's not difficult. I mean, the, the, you know, the, everyone knows what a blackberry looks like. Everyone knows what an apple looks like. And it's just, it's really about keeping your eyes open because sometimes you pass things, you, you know, you might pass something every day and you don't realise that it's mm. an apple tree or it's a, you know, an elderflower, um, that, which are, for me, the, the best because you it makes the most divine cordial and champagne. Yeah. Made um, there was a lot, a lot of champagne drunk in our house um, <laughs> recently. <laughs> we got through a lot, anyway. But I have got so many books, and I watch television, and I research, and you know, you and you learn and talk, and especially talking to other gardeners, mm, just building up that knowledge, and then and in turn getting the confidence, mm-hmm. isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um. So you mentioned learning from other gardeners and reading books and things so that sort of brings us into our final question of what would you say has been the biggest lesson that you've learned since you've been growing your own fruit and veg we are in it we we are as gardeners we are not about instant results at all we are playing the long game and so it doesn't matter if your crops fail it really doesn't because there'll be next year Mm. and there'll be the year after and the year after and you just need to keep on practicing because practice makes perfect. Yeah. But the thing is, actually, I'm going to contradict myself because there's no such thing as a perfect garden. No. You know, nature will come and have its little bite of your crops, but it doesn't matter, mm. you know. Mm. So just just keep gardening. Yeah. yeah that's it. <laughs> I think on that note, that is a good way to finish. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us today. It's been really great to hear all about your your gardening stories and everything blake let's go and grab a cup of tea and get rose and sit down for our team chat hello hi rose hi how are you i'm good how are you both 
Yeah, good, thank you. Good. Really good. Are we surviving in this heat? <laughs> Just about. Melting. It is nice. Like, it is nice, but it gets a bit much. Yeah, yeah especially because I don't know about where you guys are, but here it's not even that sunny. It's just that oppressive heat. Yeah. yeah. Never thought we'd be actually... Just, like, really, like, aggressive. Like, I, it is a hot day and I'm going to prove it by being yeah. extra Like, when hot. it feels like you're breathing in solid air, not normal air. Yeah. Like, cubes yeah. of air. I know exactly what you Someone mean. Someone described it to me as uh, wading through hot custard, which I think yes. is oh. quite apt. Because yeah. it is, it's like that. There doesn't seem to be a breeze. And then you sort of think, right, we need like some rain. And you can tell that the storm's brewing. And then when it comes, it's just such like a sort of a great feeling, especially for the garden as well. Yeah. We were promised a storm for about five days and it never yeah. arrived. It's so like... <laughs> unreliable keeps missing like, go on the weather app and it's like definitely a storm and then nothing happens i feel like, like this summer as well whenever there's been a storm drew it hasn't really yeah. properly stormed no. it's just been like a bit of a tease with it like yeah. i'm gonna show you a little bit of rain give you a bit of thunder and lightning and then go away and not drop the temperature at all so i harvested my first cucumber the other day oh yeah it's so exciting yeah it was um i sort of there was a, there's a few growing on the plant but there was one that was just sort of nearing harvest and i was like right i'm gonna pick it and it was so tasty i haven't had a homegrown cucumber in so long and it was like the texture of it and the flavor is just so different to a shop bought one it's quite surprising Amazing. obviously um like it was a different variety, like it was a, a ridged one, not a smooth one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was super pleased about that. Yeah, they almost seem to have more bite and be like a just generally more pleasant eating experience, don't they? Yeah, it was so tasty. I was so surprised. And um, now I'm really excited to harvest all the other ones on the plant. So, yeah, I was really proud of myself. It's so funny that you should mention cucumber because I had a cucumber thing that happened the other day. One of my friends um, came over for a barbecue and she had brought some pims with her, which was very kind, and some strawberries. Now, she isn't a veg grower herself and we were just making up the pims, sitting in the garden and she was like, oh, it's a real shame we don't have any cucumber. I was like, wait right there. (laughs) You're like, hold my pims. Toddled off across (laughs) the garden, got a cucumber, came back and she was like, Whoa, did you just pick that <laughs> cucumber? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm like, see, if you like that, that's a good advert for veg growing. Get growing your own. <laughs> I bet it made your pims taste extra good as well. So. It really did. And also, yeah. you know how once it's all like infused in the bottom, sometimes everything goes all squishy. Mm. It really didn't go all did squishy, which was quite nice. Oh, yeah. do you know what I love to do? I love once you finish drinking it, like getting all the bits of fruit and veg out the bottom and eating them yeah, yeah. i love so eating the strawberries because they're like yeah all mm. infused with the pims and it's so good although i did have a really inelegant moment with it when you know you go to drink some and when you've got stuff like fruit in a drink one of the strawberry halves had like <laughs> suctioned itself onto the side of the glass <laughs> no. so instead of me drinking the pims instead of any going in my mouth it just sort of hit the suction strawberry and went all over my <laughs> 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 oh, no. smooth I'm like, yep, I am so elegant. (laughs) So talking of cucumber plants, I found this article on pop sugar, which before you laugh, because I know pop sugar isn't the most uh, traditional source (laughs) of finding gardening stories. Um, 
but basically it's a story about some gardening kits that you can buy from Etsy mm. which if you don't know it's a bit like eBay but um you buy like more sort of vintagey homemadey things so mm. you can buy like homemade earrings homemade bags things like that um and I just thought that they were super super cute so it's by a seller called um Horticky plants and you can buy like uh, cucumber kits or tomato kits and one which I thought was really interesting was an organic watermelon kit so you can grow watermelons inside which uh, I'm not quite sure how that works but um, they're great gifts and I just thought it was pretty interesting to think about uh, like how popular gardening come now that you can buy these sort of kits online Um yeah, they're about £36, which, I mean, does sound a bit expensive, but you get um, coconut pots, you get seed sachets. They're all organic and plastic-free as well, which is awesome. So you kind of got everything um, in there that you need to start yeah. off. Yeah, so you get potting soil, um, plant labels, a mister, and it's sort of, if you go online and sort of Google it, then um, they're really pretty. They're really nice. They're all like homemade. You get little like instruction cards so you know how to grow them with it, uh, like things like recipes as well. So that oh, sounds like a lovely gift so as well. Like if you're yeah. not sure what to get yeah. somebody for mm-hmm. their next birthday or something, and if they've been gardening for the first time this year. A lot of the reviews are actually, I've brought this for a friend and they really liked it. So I just wonder what you thought about garden, those sorts of gardening kits. Do you think they're a bit gimmicky or do you think that they're that they're worth it? I mean, I'm not sure the success rate of them, but I feel like, you know, it doesn't, I don't see yeah, why they wouldn't and, work. And I also think they sort of, they serve a purpose, like to people who grow a lot of fruit and veg, buying a kit like that might seem a really expensive way of doing it but Mm. if you want if there's someone who wants to get into it and it's like a a nice little gift and it sparks off a love of growing stuff for people then I suppose you know that's that's a really good way of doing it yeah like sort of holding your hand really like the first sort of steps yeah almost um so speaking of starting out in gardening there's actually a feature on the guardian by Rebecca Smithers Interest in allotments soars in England during coronavirus pandemic. And it says applications to join waiting lists rise sharply as consumers turn to the good life in crisis. I have seen quite a lot of this online, actually. Um, so are the waiting lists, are they have they rocketed quite a lot? Yeah, um, it says in here that um, it's applications for council run allotments in England and there can be 18 month waiting lists oh but people gosh. want the space to grow their own fruit and veg and there are actually some figures that were released by the National Allotment Society that said 40% of English councils that responded to a survey reported a significant uplift in applications and in Lancashire, there was a 300% increase in one case. Whoa. And apparently there's also been a 45% increase in the number of requests for information through the website, which sort of makes you think. I know there's a lot of stuff in the news or has been over the last year or so about allotment land being sold off and turned mm. into other things but maybe it's going to go the other way now yeah if this will now mean that people will want to protect these green spaces more because I mean more interest in it can only be a good thing really yeah I mean I guess it makes sense because you know because of coronavirus and lockdown and everything um a lot of people sort of realize how much they like need 
green space and sort of want to escape urban spaces a bit more because I know that's there's sort of been like um an influx of people moving to the country for that sort of good life yeah. um, definitely style and of living. I would also say as someone who grows in my garden I'm very fortunate to have a garden that I can grow in but it's not enormous so there are limits to what you can grow and I wonder if it's also that next step of people thinking well I really enjoy growing my tomatoes and my chilies and my strawberries but I'd also like to grow my brassicas and throw in a bed of potatoes and all of that sort of thing and I think it's maybe that upscaling of it as well that isn't always possible in a garden space. Yeah that's so true you might have sort of developed this hobby during lockdown and realised that you really enjoy gardening but like you say there's only like a, a certain amount that you can do in your if you've got a smaller garden and then people might be like oh well um, you know now's the time to sort of take that next step almost. Mm-hmm. What would be the thing that you would grow Laura if you did have a bigger space what would you like to grow? Um Probably a lot more leafy greens because get through a lot of leafy greens and stuff. And obviously potatoes. I know I can grow potatoes in a potato bag, but I just, we, as well as not having an enormous amount of garden space, we have quite a small sort of seated patio area. And you know, when you think, oh, I don't really want to not be able to sit yeah. out there <laughs> <laughs> all the take up work as much as I'd love potatoes and also as you both know my dad's got a massive allotment plot so he basically grows my potatoes for me but um yeah I think it would really be leafy greens because we've done a bit of scattering charred seeds amongst other stuff but there's never really a substantial enough harvest and I think I'd definitely add more fruit as well because I've got a bit of fruit but it because it doesn't ever come out it does take up space that you then can't use for anything else if that makes sense mm. what would you grow if you had an allotment? Uh, oh there's so much I would grow I think I would just go wild and try I think in the first year I would just try anything I haven't been able to grow in a container mm. which would maybe Swiss chard mm. actually, which I could probably grow in a container if it was big enough, but I haven't. So yeah, that would be that would be high up on the list because I really want to grow rainbow chard. Mm. Laura, would you ever? Um, would your dad ever give you a bit of his plot? Do you think to sort of grow anything or? Well, is that yeah, like, this is oh, this sweet. is a thing that um, he probably is hearing about this the first time if he's listening to this so hi dad but I would like to move back to the village where they're from and if I do manage to get there then part of my plan is well yeah that would be fine because I'll just share my dad's lot (laughs) so by the way dad when I get to Kelverden you're going to be sharing your allotment with me he does have two (laughs) so I'm sure well not two well two like sort of plots doesn't he next yeah. to each other so I can't believe that that was this year that we went to his allotment like oh, how yeah. that feels like a different yeah. lifetime it really does. when was that like February maybe yeah it was, February. That was such a nice little day um well yeah. the fact that we haven't seen each other in real life for five months at this point I know I feel like we're all gonna have forgotten what we look like <laughs> <laughs> if it weren't for all the zoom calls <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, Blake, what are you what are you bringing to the conversational table this week? Well, I'm just going to throw out there. Actually, you're talking about the small gardens thing is interesting because uh, my story is 
an illusion trend that's going around Facebook at the moment, which is a little crafty thing you can do, not particularly a in your edible garden but just in your small outdoor space if you've got one is to put up a shower curtain with a really cool picture or image on it and it makes your garden look bigger oh wow really (laughs) does it work (laughs) apparently a lot of people are doing this and it kind of does I don't know whether when you get up close you're just like yeah this is a shower curtain <laughs> but some of the designs are sort of pretty uh it's not like a subtly sort of I think one's like a giant water fountain like some kind of like yeah castle like garden sort of exactly illusion. I think maybe if your eyesight's not that good then you would believe it be tricked but I think <laughs> it's more an optical illusion so it does just kind of when you're sitting there make it feel bigger but I thought they were quite cool and obviously shower curtains aren't that expensive yeah. so instead of like buying a bigger house with a bigger garden <laughs> just do <Yeah>. this <laughs> and trick yourself it's kind of a bit similar to how people put mirrors up in like narrow hallways that's to make it them look yeah. bigger. so maybe you could also I don't know if that would work you could Use a big bit of glass, I guess, as well, like on a wall or something. I was thinking that, but then I was thinking about the sun hitting a mirror oh, outside yeah. and that might be a bit dangerous, like where it reflects Actually, or something. yeah, that is very true. Because they do say when you're putting up a mirror inside, you should be careful that uh, the sun isn't shining through the window in case it oh, like yeah. leads to fires and stuff. Yeah, maybe well, not. That, that said, I'm fairly sure that in garden centres and stuff, they have some of those things that look like bits of trellis that then have like mirrored plastic yeah. in the back. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I guess just that go in your true. garden with eye protection on. I love this shower curtain trend though. I think that is really fun. And um, I don't know, I think it's good to sort of try something new. I think a lot of the time people focus on having like the most perfect outdoor space, but why can't you make it fun? Like, why can't you find like a fun yeah. shower curtain? And if you get bored, you can just change it. Yeah, that is so true. Like, you have like especially one if you had like different. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, like a wintery one. Or like or... different occasions, like dinner party, I put up this one, and <laughs> yeah. Christmas, I put up this one. It would be particularly good at the moment when travel is still pretty much <laughs> off the <laughs> cards, but maybe you can just put up some like holiday scenes in the <laughs> yeah. background well, I think and then sit out there. One of them is like a sort of um, like Italian, like sort of bistro y vibe sort it of It does one. look like so, that, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so I guess, yeah, like if you're not going away, you can just sort of put a Spanish tapas bar one on the stuff <laughs> and just <laughs> pretend that you're on broad. Oh, well, I reckon uh, before we head out into our gardens and try and make that a reality, I know, Rose, you've got some jobs on the plot for us, haven't you? But yes. before that, Blake, I think we need to talk about beer. If you love to kick back with a cold and refreshing beer at the end of a hard day's work on the plot, then we've got an offer you won't want to miss. The kind people at Beer52 are offering a free case of eight craft beers sourced and curated from the best breweries on the planet. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash dirt and cover the $5.95 for postage. Each case is delivered directly to your doorstep, so no need to leave the house. 
If dark beer is not your thing, you can simply choose the light option and your case will come with the award-winning beer magazine ferment and a tasty snack. We've been lucky enough to enjoy a case ourselves and the choice and quality of the beers is fantastic. You'll get different beers every time, so can go on a real voyage of discovery and find your new favourite breweries and beers. So, to claim your eight free craft beers and just cover the £5.95 postage, head to www.beer52.com forward slash dirt. That's the word beer followed by the numbers 5 and 2.com forward slash dirt. And now, we will head over to this week's Jobs on the Plot. August is an important month on the plot for many gardeners. Plants are now producing bundles of mouth-watering yields waiting to be harvested. With the high temperatures and occasional wet weather comes plenty of responsibilities for growers, so it's important that you stay in control of the conditions your edibles are growing in, such as sunlight or excessive rain. Water blueberries, lingonberries and cranberries with rainwater to provide the ideal growing environment for these edibles. However, tap water is a suitable alternative if supplies are running low. Water your sweet corn crops on a regular basis and feed with a tomato fertiliser to produce the best possible crops. Your sweet corn will be ready for harvesting as soon as the tassels have turned chocolate brown and the liquid inside the kernels is not watery or paste-like but creamy. Continue to pick runner beans as the veg does not keep well on the plants. Regular picking ensures you will have an abundant harvest all month and further flowering will be encouraged. If you are suffering from a high volume of harmful insects in your undercover structure, why not introduce predatory bugs such as the parasitic wasp or ladybirds? Provided they have plenty of pests to feed on, you will create a thriving ecosystem. Pick herbs little and often to ensure plenty of bushy regrowth. Basil thrives in the warm summer conditions and will certainly benefit from the treatment. Established chive crops can be removed from their pots and divided this month. This will allow you to capitalise on the success of the parent plant to provide an abundance of smaller edibles. Have an enjoyable and productive week on the plot and from all of us here, happy growing. Thanks again for listening to The Dirt and don't forget to subscribe for free to make sure you never miss an episode. We'd love it if you rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell all of your lovely garden and allotment neighbours. Plus, as a special treat, we've got an exclusive Grow Your Own magazine offer just for the dirt listeners. Head to growfruitandveg.co.uk forward slash gpod7, that's G-P-O-D and the number 7, or call 0800 904 7000 and quote GPOD7 to receive seven issues of our magazine Grow Your Own straight to your door for just $29.99. That's $11.94 off. Every issue is edited by me and the team and is packed with gardening advice and jobs to tick off your list and a big bonus. Each magazine comes with a selection of free seeds so you can get growing straight away. Check the episode notes for details and terms. And a final exciting note, do you or someone you know have great gardening advice, dirty gardening secrets or funny plot disasters? You could be our next podcast guest. Email thedirt at growfruitandveg.co.uk to let us know.